Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsidePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about on this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they got issues, Horwat. They got plenty of issues, and we are going to discuss all of them. Uh, Here in this episode, we're going to start by talking about the bottom six. We're then going to talk about Ron Hextall and the position that he is currently in. And then we'll finish it with our Pens poll, which is uh, how many Penguins will finish the season with 20 goals as we reach the halfway point on Saturday. But Horwat, let's start with the Penguins' bottom six right now because I feel like that's the biggest issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins, no? It's up there. It's up there. I think the top six is doing its job. It truly is. I mean, it's, it might be a little streaky at times, uh, but the top six is doing its job. The power play is a huge issue, but is an issue that can be solved with simplicity. And we've seen it be good before. Defense, I mean, defense is just hurt right now. Once the defense is healthy, I think we're seeing a good core group of defensemen. Um, I just saw before we started recording here that that Petrie-Pedersen pairing is like the second best analytically in the entire NHL. So that's a good start. And then... You know, some weight needs to be shifted around on that defense. But when it's fully healthy, it's pretty solid. And then there is that bottom six. And then there is that bottom six. Is it the biggest issue? It might be. It's the most consistent issue. It's the most problematic, and it has been throughout the entire season. We thought heading in that, you know, we know Teddy Bluger's role. We still didn't expect it to be like this, though. There are some things happening with Teddy Bluger that... Uh, uh-oh, aren't pretty. And, I mean, that third line needs no introduction. I mean, some, it might because it's always changing, but it needs no introduction in general. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the defense. Actually, I do feel like the Pittsburgh Penguins need another left-shot defenseman to be their top pairing guy. Mm-hmm. If they're going to spend a first-round pick and they're not going to use it on the third line, I'd like to see them get another left-shot defenseman, preferably somebody in the realm of Jacob Chikrin. You don't need another middle-of-the-road defenseman over there. Um, but if you can get Jacob Chikrin, I know the ask right now is, at least the last reported ask, was two firsts and a top prospect. I know the Penguins don't have that in the way of uh, compensation. But if you're able to get that down to a first-round pick and a mid-level prospect, which I don't think they will, I think that's a huge addition because I like Marcus Pedersen. I like what P.O. Joseph has shown. I love 
everything Ty Smith has done with this team in the past six or seven games. But I do feel like none of those guys are really a top-flight, top-pairing defenseman right now. And I think that would be a huge help for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But as you mentioned, there are bigger fish to fry. There are bigger issues at hand for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that third line needs no introduction. The fourth line, I think... We need to really look at the fact that that line is struggling even more than the third line right now. Uh, You look at the Pittsburgh Penguins' bottom six, they're not getting consistent enough scoring from that team or even consistent enough level of play. It's not just that they're not scoring. It's just that they're getting caved in analytically. They're not playing well. They're playing too much in their defensive zone, and they're not creating anything. Scoring chances, momentum, anything. It's basically a dead unit from third line to fourth line. If you look in the last 10 games, the top six have scored 15 goals. The bottom six has scored seven. Defense has scored two. But if you look at the bottom six, where the goals have come from, Carter has three, one of them being an empty net goal. O'Connor has two. Brock McGinn has one. Kasperi Kapanen has one. And you've gotten nothing, zilch, nada from Teddy Bluger and Danton Heinen. I believe they've combined for four goals on the season. Just not good enough. And Dan Heinen hasn't scored since October. We're in mid-January. Yeah, Dan Heinen is... He's aggravating. The only reason why he's in this lineup right now is because of injuries. And actually, hell, he might not be in the lineup tonight if the Penguins really think Jonathan Gruden can do something. Uh, He seems to be able to do a little bit more than Dan Heinen right now. That being said, though, we'll we'll get to that stuff in a little bit. This bottom six is... It's horrendous. It's it's a revolving door of players at times, and it's usually supposed to be. But somehow, some way, you list off those names and you look at Kasperi Kapanen and go, oh, there's the bright spot. Mm. And even he is not being phenomenal. Even he's not phenomenal right now. I think Kapanen's numbers have been interesting because he's not getting a ton of playing time, yet making or taking more advantage of his opportunities than, than others. I mean, same goes for Drew O'Connor with uh, a couple of goals in the last couple of games. I mean, he hasn't been able to offer too much else, uh, but it's a start. Mm-hmm. And same goes for Kapanen. That Carter situation needs to get figured out, but um, there's not much going down there at all. Yeah, and we can sit here and complain about the performance of these guys till the cows come home, but the, the, the answer really is, or what we need to talk about, not the answer, uh, we'll try to give some, uh, but what we really need to talk about is what's the fix for these guys? I, I think part of it is getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think part of it is getting Josh Archibald back. Maybe Ryan Paling helps a little bit more about when he's back in the lineup, but I think Archibald specifically brings a level to that fourth line that you just don't see from many of the other players on that unit right now, uh, I think it's similar to when we had Brandon Tanev on the roster. It's not the fact that he's going to go out there and he's going to score goals. He's not going to go out there and dominate possession, pace of play. But what he's going to go do is go out there and bring some electricity to that bottom six and get the energy going, which is going to help lead to better possession time, better, you know, opportunities for that unit, maybe more offense for that unit, and maybe even, you know, drawing some more penalties because we all know that that's Josh Archibald. That's the one thing that if you're going to say, hey, what does he do? Hey, he draws a lot of penalties for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And while the power play is an issue in its own right, and we've talked about that ad nauseum, getting there is a good is a good thing. It still is. And that's something that Josh Archibald does that Danton Heinen doesn't do. He, he does not drive enough play for anybody to take a penalty on him. Like, why are you going to hook a guy that basically doesn't move his feet? So 
that's the issue right now. I, I think part of it is you need to get healthy. You need to get at least Josh Archibald back in the lineup. And, and honestly, that might be the issue in its own right. When you're saying this, and I like Josh Archibald, don't get me wrong, but when you're saying that, hey, you need to get Josh Archibald back in this lineup or this bottom six isn't going to be able to succeed at all, it's like, well, that's that's part of the problem then because if that's what you're saying, then there's a bigger issue than getting healthy. Yeah, because that's one of those things that going into the season, if you would have said Josh Archibald's the one driving play in the bottom six, you would have, you know, probably gotten a couple of looks because uh, what? Not him. We 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 didn't think he would crack the NHL roster when we signed him. Mm-hmm. Now here he is, and we're looking at him like we might want him in the lineup over Teddy Bluger soon. I'm not being sarcastic about that. I people keep wanting this top six to get fixed and then to bump Teddy Bluger up to the third line, buddy. He's not scoring for third line. He's not. No. no. Okay, it's not happening. And I don't know if it can happen at this point, considering how defensive-minded we look at him. That's something that truly needs to be looked at under a bigger uh, bigger scope, just the Teddy Bluger situation. But that being said, yeah, we're in need of that, that electricity. We're in need of that jump from Josh Archibald. Ryan Palin can bring something. It's not necessarily what... Um, but it's just not necessarily what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, the paling injury seems to be a, a weird one again, but still, we're in, in need of the electricity and the spark down there. Yeah, Paling's injury issues are weird because he was out day-to-day, came back into the lineup, then he was day-to-day again, then all of a sudden he's on the injured reserve. Not long-term, but on the injured reserve. So it's really something where, obviously, we await further information on that from head coach Mike Sullivan and the medical staff, but... It's a strange situation, and listen, with Ryan Paling, he kills penalties at least. Like that's what I'm looking at, Danton Heinen, and we'll talk about him more in the second segment. But you know, Danton Heinen, if he's not scoring, which he hasn't been, he's he's really just a pointless player on this lineup. Um, but we'll mention, like I said, we'll talk about him more in the second segment. Horwat, I don't know about you, but I think it is past time when we talk about fixing this bottom six. I know there's a lot of different things that the Penguins need to do or can do to try to at least improve it. I think you need to start the youth movement. Maybe Jonathan Gruden being called up is the beginning of that. He was originally acquired in the Matt Murray trade back in 2020. He has 11 goals on the season, 16 points in 30 games with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Maybe that's the start of the youth movement. I'd like to see him in the lineup over a guy like Danton Heinen. In fact, I think that's exactly why he was brought up. Uh, We have to obviously wait and see until tonight when the lineup gets announced. But maybe that's the start. But I think you look down at the AHL level. You see two guys tied for the team lead in points down there, Valtteri Pustinen and Alex Nylander. I know neither of those guys are standout defensive players, but for your defense right now, for your for your third line, defense needs to go on the back burner because you have literally no progress offensively, and it's killing this top this team because the top unit cannot fix everything by scoring all these goals. Yeah, you're going to ground them into dust. Yep. Um, and not only that, but Jonathan Gruden, five of his 11 goals have come in the last three games. That one's settling. That's, yeah. Even if it's the AHL level, that sounds like it can equate to a lot more than what Dan Heinen has done since October. He's zero five, goals in like 40 games. Yeah, it's like zero and 30-something. You, If you include the games he was healthy scratched for, maybe it touches 40. Uh, maybe it's a little under because we're only yeah, at under. game 42. Anyway, it's, it's not good, and I think... If that's why Jonathan Gruden is up here, all right, I want to give him more 
than just a single game of a look, by the way. And I want to give him more than these these eight minutes of ice time that nothing against Mike Sullivan, but what he's been doing with these minor league call-ups recently, the last two seasons. We saw it a lot last year where we'd get one of these high highly rated, in our system at least, highly rated prospects called up. He'd play one game, and it'd be like for seven to eight minutes, and you'd get nothing out of it. Well, yeah, you're not going to get anything out of a guy playing for seven to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, give Gruden a couple here. I mean, we got the Ducks and the Senators twice. You, Come on. Yeah. We should be able to do something with that. And give Gruden a little look in these games. Mm-hmm. Let him play at least those three, maybe. Maybe you send it back down before Jersey. Um, but you roll with it. It's something to see. You give Tynan another break. And for the love of God, let something happen to this team. Yeah, I just don't want to see Jonathan Gruden play eight minutes in a single game. Yeah, that's not enough to get a sample size of what is this guy going to do? How is this guy going to help? Like, what can he do to help this team? You need to do, I mean, basically what Ty Smith's doing. Ty Smith has now played in, what, half a dozen games? And you've noticed, and it's it's very evident, that he deserves to stay at the NHL level. I mean, I talked about it last week. You've talked about it several times. Ty Smith, because he's been given the opportunity, whether that be due to injury, which is why it is, he's earned a shot at staying in this lineup. The problem is, I don't think he will, because I think they're going to look at Brian Dumlin and say, hey, $4.1 million... Modified no-trade clause. I don't think uh, we can take him out of the lineup. For a guy that has been the best defenseman at times for the Pittsburgh Penguins over the past six games. A lot of times, not just at times. He's been the Penguins' best defenseman for a large portion of this past run. Now they haven't been winning games, but still. Good performance on a bad team should still be worth something. But like I mentioned... Valtteri Pustin, there's no reason that he should have he should have zero games played at the NHL level at this point. With how this team has been in their bottom six, and we're halfway through the season, to not even get a call-up, to not even be a healthy scratch at any point, be on the cusp of making that second start in the NHL, there's no reason for it. You can say, oh, you know, salary cap, we've had issues, uh, we can't pull people up. I, that's not an excuse anymore. You're You're paid to do it figure something out. You need to put the best team on the ice to win games. Pittsburgh Penguins aren't doing that. So we talked about what's the fix in the bottom six. You know, getting healthy, part of it. Josh Archibald, back in the lineup, that helps. Starting the youth movement, maybe Jonathan Gruden tonight, maybe Valtteri Pustin, Alex Nylander at some point this season. But I also think that you can't have this conversation without saying, yeah, there needs to be a trade made here at some point. He did one yesterday. He did one last week. Anything, just Anything, it doesn't have to be a big one. It doesn't have to be the the, the groundbreaking, there goes the first round pick and a prospect for a piece. No, it could, anything, just to jumpstart this lineup. Anything should help. Mm-hmm. And when the whole salary cap situation comes into this, all right, fine. Who's in your front office handling that? Shouldn't there be someone there whose job is to specifically crunch some numbers and adjust salary cap situations? Or at least, like, maybe you have a little help with it if it's if you don't have a specific person. You, you know what I mean? Isn't that someone's job to, like, be the businessman? Mm-hmm. Get the numbers down. Make sure we're all 
good under the cap. Yeah, you sure it's it's a fair argument to say, well, I want to see the uh, lineup fully healthy. Okay, that's great. That's a farce in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's the thing. I I, I get the idea, but that doesn't happen here. So you gotta make the moves while people are hurt. Because let's be honest, I get that we don't want to draw the comparisons of Ron Hextall and Jim Rutherford. Jim Rutherford sees a second losing streak like that. Something, and it's probably a first-round pick and a prospect, are getting shot out of a cannon for anything, any Mm -hmm. sort of help. And again, again, injuries to your top goalie also really doesn't help. But something needs to come back for this team. Something needs to change, whether it's, like you said, adding that top defenseman that that I kind of am, I might be on the same page with you. Or doing something with that third-line center position. Also, by the way, and it, I said it, I'm going to say it every episode until the trade deadline's over, Jeff Carter's not involved. He's not leaving this team, guys. Yeah. It's not happening. Um, but something for that third-line center. We've seen Mike Sullivan experiment with Carter on the wing. All right. So we know that we're willing to move that. Now find a new third-line center. Teddy Bluger would have been gone from this team a long time ago had Rutherford still been here, I think. I'm not willing to say that just because of how important Bluger is to the penalty kill, but he's certainly not, you know, I was banging down the door for him to be the third line center or get an opportunity to be the third line center for a long time. He's not performing to that standard anymore. Like he's performing as a fourth line center and particularly not the best one, um, which we had been able to say for a long time. He's kind of a a middle of the road league average fourth line center now, which is a, a massive decrease in what we've seen from him, but still, you know, has a spot on this team. Um, you just, when you have issues like you do in the bottom six, you need more from everybody, and nobody is is without fault, and that includes Bluger. Um, he's just not been enough, you know, not been good enough. It's a, it's a down season for Bluger, which is something that I feel like I haven't been able to say uh, in the past couple of years. Contract year. Ah, that's, that's also not a good thing for him. UFA. Yeah, but... Uh, to sum it all up, before we talk more about Ron Hextall, whether he's on the hot seat, some of the trades that he has to make, some of the trades that he has made, and you know if they make sense, we'll we'll talk all things Ron Hextall after the break. But to sum things up here, the third line needs entirely new blood, younger, maybe faster, definitely more dangerous offensively. Have to have it. Like that's what you need from your third line now. That's what you need changed on your third line now, and the fourth line needs to be. A healthy Josh Archibald. Teddy Bluger, I think, deserves to still be there. And then one of Carter, Kapanen, Paling, McGinn. I think one of those names could be on your third line. One of those names should be on your fourth line. One of them should be a healthy scratch. And some <sighs> somebody has to get out of town. Yup. Because all three of those names you just said. Four. Uh, again, I'm four, yeah. Again, I'm still willing to give Kapanen a little bit of a bump. I, yeah. I really am. I think... He's at least played better. You know, it's still not what we want, but it's at least been an improvement on last season, and he brings more speed than Carter. And he, I forget what stat it was. His points per 60, like 60 minutes, are yeah. like second on the team. Yes, but he also doesn't play a lot of minutes. But still, exactly. I mean, it, it's... But exactly. Yeah. It's That's taking advantage of your small opportunity. It's also not a ton of points, but... yeah. It's equating to something, and I'm willing to give him a touch of a longer leash. Yeah. As compared to everyone else, oh, someone's got to go. Someone's got to go, and it's not going to be Carter. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I would like to see? And it's not going to happen because I want to see it. That's a, that's precisely why it won't. I'd like to see the Pittsburgh Penguins third line on March 4th of 2023, the day after the trade deadline. I want to see the Penguins third line as Valtteri Pustinen, Max Domi, Kasperi Kapanen. Max Domi, all right. It's, it won't happen. Max Domi is leading the Chicago Blackhawks right now in points and goals. So it won't happen. Hextall won't make that move. He won't be able to afford it, probably, is what, what he'll say. And the Pittsburgh Penguins won't get that. But that's what I think they need. I'll, I'll still die on the hill of Ryan O'Reilly, but that's another conversation for another day. And I think, like I said multiple times before, a Teddy Bluger is involved in that deal. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. A, need, a move needs to be made regardless. Oh, yeah. And, and we'll we talk. Just kind of, we just kind of jumped to the top. Any sort of move could could be helpful right now. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in terms of Ron Hextall's future, Ron Hextall's job that he's done so far, and what we need to see from Ron Hextall going forward to get this team back on the right track. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And I got a question for you, Horwat, and it's one that you've asked me. It's one that many people have asked, many people have thought, pondered, questioned, tweeted. Is Ron Hextall on the hot seat right now? I mean, it's possible. I think he's a little bit more on the hot seat than what we would have expected at the beginning of the season. It could be all that hand-sitting and the new ownership watching over. Mm-hmm. Mostly the new ownership. Um, it's not helpful. Having a new ownership in there and it's not your guy is not helpful. I get Mario's still involved, but... Mario doesn't make decisions right now. Not like that, anymore. That's over. That's over. So As far as we're aware, yeah, it's pretty far over. There's... Uh, I don't think it's the hottest of seats, but he needs to do something before it, before the heat gets turned up a little. He needs to do something, anything. Yeah, I think if the seat warmer has five notches, I think it's on four right now. Five right. being make a move or be fired. Four, I think he's on four. I really do. And it might go back to what you're saying. Maybe he can't make a deal. Maybe he can't make a trade. Maybe he can't make a phone call because he's lost all circulation in his hands because he's been sitting on them for so long. Ooh. He's been trying to make a trade since July. Since July, whenever he acquired Petrie and Smith in the same day, the question was asked by Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports, is it fair to assume that you will not enter the season with nine NHL caliber defensemen? Yeah, I'd say that's safe to assume. Well, a trade wasn't made, and you can only blame the market for so long, Ron. You only have so long before it becomes you. If you look around and nobody's making a move, I understand it's a hard market, but your team right now is drowning. And instead of throwing them a life preserver, you're kicking back, opening up a bottle of beer and saying, I hope they figure out a way to get out of that shark infested water because the life preserver, you know, it's too far away and I'm sitting on this chair and I'm so comfortable. Is it him or the trade market is the big question. It can be both. It can be both. I understand the trade market is not good right now. 
But for Christ's sakes, your team is in sixth place in the National Hockey or in the Metropolitan Division, not the National Hockey League. This would be a very different conversation. Your team is in sixth place in the Metropolitan Division. You were still getting top tier production from Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. You need to eventually make a move, any move, some move, and that's not a trade. It's not limited to a trade. What do we talk about in the first segment? Where's the youth? I know it's not 1950s and I'm not the old lady from the Wendy's commercial, but where is the youth? Like, what? what is happening? You gave Pustinen the entire training camp to play with Crosby and Gensel. And he hasn't even sniffed Western Pennsylvania. That that's That's an issue for me. I mean... Look at the position the Penguins and Ron Hexall are in right now. I think he deserves all the criticism that he's getting. And it's because there's no cap space, because he has multiple bad contracts on this team, and because he has had the inability to infuse young talent into this roster. I, I think look no further than the fact that it took Ty Smith all season until about six games ago to crack this lineup. He was in the minors. Why? Because of all the bad contracts at the NHL level. Took some injuries. That trade that you said was getting talked about during the summer didn't happen. Um, is the trade market slow? Sure. No one's made a trade yet this year, really. There have been a couple of small moves. Um, maybe break the ice. Well, there's a ton of teams and cap situations. Yeah, there is a lot of teams utilizing LTIR right now. Mm-hmm. 17, I think, out of the 32. <sighs> That that's more of a uh, that's more of a uh, that's more of a, a a conversation to have about the league, mm-hmm. really. But um, you figure something out. Like I said before, and like everyone has been saying, Jim Rutherford would have launched something out of the window by now. Yeah. By now, a move as knee jerk as it would have been, and whether or not it benefited the team, could have been a conversation to be had. But at least it would have been something. Mm-hmm. Right, it would have been something. It doesn't. Ha- it, this kind of, we're looking for a move. It doesn't have to be the the go get your guy move. It can just be be a well. We flop. We flipped out our something something pick and a guy for mm-hmm. this guy that's gonna seventh defenseman again. I don't know anything. Something to boost some sort of morale in this team to get the people going, if you will. A- anything will do. Anything will do. The minor league call-ups are a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now give them the opportunity. Give them the opportunity. And it, but as much as, yeah, the infusion of youth, um, I still think that uh, that's not the necessary move here. Yeah, it's good to see a couple of guys come up, and it's good to see them get their get their utilization. But a move needs to be made, and you got to start – calling people start hitting the phones start start not taking no for an answer mm-hmm. i just scrolled past the the you ever see the uh glenn gary glenn ross speech alec baldwin mm. yes oh that's i just scrolled past a t-shirt of abc a always bbc closing always be closing i love that that was the timing of it mm-hmm. and you know what that's exactly what we need to find here yeah uh, I almost said Jim Rutherford. Ron Hextall needs to start closing. Find a deal. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, too, because for the longest time, you know, in July, 
August into October, even at points late in November, early December, when this team was starting to turn it around, we heard rumblings of, you know, Ron Hextall, one of the more active general managers in seeking a trade. We haven't really heard anything since mid-December. That's discouraging. And and here's the thing. He might be. He might be. You don't know. I, listen, I don't have Ron, Ron Hextall on speed dial. I, I don't talk to him every day. I'm not in his inner circle. But one thing I know for sure is when you've waited this long and you've done this little to help your team midseason, your next move better be a good one. Whatever you do, it better hit and it better hit hard because if you do not perform and you do not pull off a good trade or a good deal or improve your team to a certain extent, that's why that seat warmer's on four out of five. That's why, hey, we're going to turn that thing up and you better pray, buddy. You better pray that Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, and Tristan Jari, once he gets healthy, bail your ass out because if all things stay the same and this team misses the playoffs for the first time in Evgeny Malkin's career, second time in Sidney Crosby's, you're on the first bus out. And take that guy that doesn't know how to tie a tie with you because we don't know how many moves he is being made over top of Ron Hextall telling him what to do because, you know, I don't like revisionist history. I don't. And I see this all the time. Every single time Jared McCann scores a single goal for the Seattle Kraken, we see it. And I don't want to be the one to like say, hey, we should have had Kra- uh, you know, McCann. But wouldn't it be nice? You know, it goes on your record if you're Ron Hextall. It, it, it's part of the conversation. Hey, you chose to keep this 38-year-old that looks like he needs a walker on the ice half the time over a guy that's about to score 46 goals. He's on pace to score 46 goals. Now... Here's where I'm going to change from what people say online. He's not going to score 46 goals if he's with the Penguins. He might be a 20-goal scorer, which is better than what Jeff Carter is going to be this season. We'll talk about it in the next segment. But that's my issue because there's so many of these moves that I say, you know what, revisionist history doesn't matter, just move forward. But these start to pile up, and when you have the conversation of, is the seat hot for Hextall, you have to look at those moves, and you have to look at the lineup that he currently has, and say, if he would have just done this, this, and this differently, this team would be much different, like night and day different. Losing McCann and Tanev in the same offseason for the same reason as the expansion draft, while making sure you protect Jeff Carter and, and even Teddy Bluger. See, I agreed with both at the time. I said, you know what? I guess you need centers. But it, it, in revisionist history is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. But it's just, at this point, I think he is on his last leg. And I said it on Penguins to go on Friday, I believe. I don't remember what day it was that I said this. He was being questioned this offseason by new management. If he was being questioned this offseason and this is the output he puts on the ice, there's no doubt in my mind that a missed playoffs means Hextall is gone. Listen, we there is no blame to be placed on Mike Sullivan in this situation. I know we didn't bring this up, but through Mike Sullivan's tenure here, the Penguins have never been a wildcard team. They've been in the top three mm-hmm. every time. I looked back at it. They've been in the top three of the Metro every time. The, Pen- the Penguins as a team have been wild, a wildcard team before. So we've done it. We know what it's like. But that 16-year number, um, for what it's worth, 
it's important. You know, I get the last four have been first round exits. Hell, one of them you could throw an asterisk on. Go ahead. Um, but that 16 year mark, it's an important one. Mm-hmm. We all want to extend it to 17. We want that one last real kick at the can with the core. Uh, we thought it could have been last year. For a good stretch here this year, we thought it could have been this year. Um, and it could, it still could be with the right moves happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, given the pace of play that Crosby and Malkin are at, it could be next year. You never know. But that window is fleeting. And, you know, sure, if we skate in with, with a wild card, fine. It's never happened in the Mike Sullivan era, but um, that's an important number. And to the Jared McCann thing, I can remember texting you a long time ago. Can we get past this Jared McCann thing? He wouldn't have been in this role scoring that many goals had he still been here. Mm-hmm. I said that with my blinders on. I said that without looking at our third line center situation. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. He still would not have been putting up those kind of numbers. No. The, the, the numbers in Seattle are wild. I texted you literally just the other day. Look at Daniel Sprong's numbers. How is he 13-13 for 26 playing damn near 10? He's playing Kasperi Kapanen numbers, guys. Yeah. I'm not saying he would have done that here either. Um, for some, Something did not work here with Daniel Sprong. That dude's about to get a contract this year if he's in a contract year. Um, but Seattle's running things differently. So, he, so like neither of those guys would have been doing the same thing here. Mm-hmm. But there would, it would have at least been, more or less in McCann's case, would have been a proper boost that this team needs right now. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you got a McCann center, and just because he's his buddy, Jeff Carter on the wing. It's not a terrible situation. The Tanev one, I think we can all get over because we have Josh Archibald to kind of help us out there if he gets healthy and can bring the same energy again. Not so much the scoring touch, but at least the energy is there mm-hmm. and can you know, f- feed a scoring mentality. And you didn't bring this one up, but I am at least thankful no one's talking about Evan Rodriguez on this team because, listen, that back, yeah. of la- back half of last year, not worth even attempting to see if he can regrow the first one. I don't know what uh, his numbers are this year. I know he's been injured, I think. Yeah. Everyone on Colorado has been. Um, but I think I'm at least happy we're not saying, hey, we still need Evan Rodriguez on this team. We might. We might now. But in the same vein, I don't think he would have benefited all that much here. Mm. Just that back half was so horrendous. The last thing I'll say about the, the Ron Hextall situation and, and where he's currently at, and honestly, he's put himself into this corner, so he's going to have to fight out by himself as well. Mm-hmm. The one thing that he has going for him is he has been very good at making in-season trades and making waiver claims. Uh, the Mark Friedman claim was great. Like To be able to bring over Mark Friedman, I think he's been underutilized, but to bring in a guy that should be a, a seventh defenseman, I think he's a great seventh defenseman. I think you basically got uh, a similar progress from a guy like Chad Ruedel, but you have it in a different player. He can bring a different style of play. So I like the Mark Friedman move. The Carter trade was tremendous value until the contract he signed after that. The Raquel trade was tremendous in general. Uh, The contract can be a different discussion. Uh, Early returns are good, I think, on on the Ty Smith deal to be able to get Ty Smith and a draft pick for John Marino, I think, was good. Um, Jeff Petrie as well. I think at this point, it's obviously early returns again with that, but I like the move there as well. I think Jeff Petrie, once he settled into his own with Marcus Pedersen, was looking real good before his injury. So yeah, that's one thing he has going for him. He makes really good trades midseason. 
the contracts, the asset acquisition in the summer, the free agent market, that is where he struggles. And the problem is to fix this team right now, that's not, you know, he, he has to make so many trades to make up for his asset acquisition. And that's fighting from your back foot. And that's never what you want to do as an NHL general manager. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's let's talk about something positive. How many Penguins will finish the season with 20 or more goals? We asked, and we are also going to answer next on the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I know it's a lot of negative right now in the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, there's a lot of negative things to say about this team right now because they have now lost two back-to-back games, and they didn't look pretty good in against Winnipeg or, you know, obviously you lose against Carolina. But at the same time, at this point of the season, you just need to stack wins. Uh, we'll see if they're able to do that this week against what should be inferior opponents, but I don't I don't know if I can say that anymore considering the way the Penguins have been playing, but they take on the Anaheim Ducks tonight who have been absolutely shelled from start to finish to this point in the season. Uh, and then they take on the Ottawa Senators who have been slightly disappointing, but still a very talented team in their own right. So we'll see what they're able to do this week. But before we close out things today, Horwat, our weekly Pens poll, we asked how many Penguins will finish the season with 20 or more goals? The leading answer was four to five players with 59% of the vote. 31% have a very pessimistic view on the Pittsburgh Penguins and said one to three players will finish with 20 or more goals. 9% said five to six. Nobody, not a single person said, yeah, seven or more are going to finish over that 20 goal mark. If you look at them right now, just barely past the halfway mark of the season, Sidney Crosby's already there. So you have one. Going to have one. Guaranteed. Guaranteed to have one. Jake Gensel has 17, Ricard Raquel has 15, Evgeny Malkin has 14, both Jason Zucker and Brock McGinn have 10, and then you have Rust with 9, Carter with 7, Kapanen with 6. So right now, if you look on pace, if you say basically you're halfway through the season, you should have 6 if paces continue. Mm -hmm. How many people do you think, Horwat? Where did your vote get cast for this one? Well, I've started not voting on these and just kind of coming up with my answer, especially for ones like this, coming up with my answer as we record because that gives, A, the most recent answer and probably the most honest. It's mm-hmm. good to have that into a microphone. Um, So Sidney Crosby's the obvious one. He's already got it. Jake Gensel's going to get it. That's two. I, Ricard Raquel will get it. Malkin will get it with flying colors. I think Jason Zucker might have a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, if, like, just pace so far, he's one of the most important cogs of this machine. Brock McGinn's not going to extend that. <laughs> I don't think he's going to hold. I don't think he's going to double up. Brian Rust is below, but it's only 11. We've seen him score on pace before. I think I think uh, Brian Rust can hit it, and that'll be it. So I'm going to hold on to it six because Carter. We don't know if he has that touch anymore. When he when when Jeff Carter got here, we saw that scoring touch. It was phenomenal. It hasn't been the same. It hasn't been the same. Don't think he can. He'd have to more than double up. Kapanen, again, I keep singing his praises as of late, but no chance. No chance is he hitting 20. I'll give him credit if he can hit 15, but that would take a lot of, take a lot of damn work. Um, 
he'll be lucky to get 10. <laughs> but I think uh, six is a good answer. It's a good round. It is just the top six, is it not? Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, damn. Yeah. Well, oh, damn. We, ta- we talked at the beginning of the show about the problems with the bottom six. And you just basically said, yeah, 20 goal scores. They're going to be at least six of them. And you know, there's going to be six of them. That's a nice round number. That's the top. Oh, yeah. <sighs> oh. Um, that is exactly what we talked about in the first segment. And honestly. That realization hit me like a freight train. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think that the people that voted one through three. Uh, listen, it's fair to be pessimistic about this team right now. But when you already have one in Sidney Crosby and you're basically saying, hey, Gensel needs three, Raquel needs five, and Malkin needs six. I'm going to say one of them doesn't make it. It's like, that seems a little little too pessimistic to me. So I, I think obviously those guys all make it. I don't know, obviously Brock McGinn. I think when you look at McGinn and Russ, that's the interesting one. Brock McGinn has 10 goals right now, but he has it on 16.4% shooting. Uh, Brian Rust has nine on 8% shooting. So you would have to imagine that one's going to come down, one's going to go up, and you're going to see Brian Rust finish with more goals than Brock McGinn. But I don't know if he quite gets to 20 because I haven't seen, you know, the Brian Rust that has been on pace for 30 goals. And we keep saying, you know, if it was a full season, 30 goals score Brian Rust. But he can't say that because it wasn't a full season. He didn't hit the 30 goal mark. He hit, I believe, 29 once. But I don't think Brian Rust gets there. Um, so I'm going to say that there is. Five, I think Zucker does get there. But I also can realistically see a Pittsburgh Penguins team that only has four. I think Gensel is a lock. Uh, Raquel, I I don't think he's going to finish with 25, but I think he'll get over 20. And if Genny Malkin has another run in him, he might he might be a 30-goal scorer still. Like That's one thing about Malkin. He could be a 30-goal scorer, or he could finish with 21. Like we, we don't know, because he can get streaky, and sometimes he'll just, like, like when he went on that point streak, the first eight games, it was all assists. He can get into a certain status where he just starts to be a playmaker and not a goal scorer. We've seen that more at the latter stages of his career, where he doesn't take it over himself. He relies on these other guys, which is why you see you know, Jason Zucker at 10 goals and getting more opportunities. You see Ricardo Raquel getting more opportunities on a, on a wing with Evgeny Malkin. So it's a good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I, I think when you look at this, I think four are guaranteed. And Zucker, I think, might get there. I don't think Brian Russ gets there, and I don't think Brock McGinn gets there. Then once you go below those guys, there's not a chance. You know, I will be stunned if Carter, Kapanen, and then literally it's Paling, Archibald, right after that so yeah i i would be stunned if you get more than five that's fair like i said six is still still an easy choice here for me i mean let's also look at the next three games here anaheim ducks ottawa senators ottawa senators these uh what's it called projections could flip on a dime against these teams oh yeah i'm not i'm knock on wood i mean it'd be fun jake gensel could hit 20 tonight he could hit 20 over the next three games. Mm-hmm. We could have number two locked up, locked and loaded um, by the weekend. Yeah, next three we have three games all this week. Ricard Raquel could, maybe he has a little fun against his former team. Maybe he pots in two tonight. Suddenly he's a little closer. But then you look at those lower numbers. You look at Brian Rust with nine. Let's say he goes on a little tear against these lower 
uh, lower teams. Well, suddenly he's a little closer. We mm-hmm. have this discussion in a week, maybe two weeks again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our numbers could change. Maybe, maybe none of them score anything in the next week. And I go, that six was a little generous. Mm-hmm. But I think this kind of number has the ability to flip on a dime real quick, especially this week with the Ducks, Senators, Senators. Okay, we got Jersey, Florida, Washington. But then San Jose before the bye week and the uh, All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Listen, I am trying to put my own little personal push into getting Evgeny Malkin in the All-Star game. If he really wants to do it, he's got to have a hot week too. And I know he's de- probably guaranteed to hit 20. But if he can do it faster. Let's say he hits 20 before the All-Star break. That would be nice. S- suddenly we're having a ton of fun. And also, here's the other thing. We get that many guys getting toward their 20-goal pace. We're talking about a much different team. Again, it's all the top six again. It's, it's still the same. You know, you you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. But you know what? It's a pig that's getting wins, and that's kind of <laughs> well, the issue. The, the, I mean, the top six has scored 15 goals in the last 10 games, and they haven't got wins. So I don't know if necessarily they're scoring a lot of goals. That means, especially with you know, with the top three defensemen and a backup goaltender in, uh, I don't know if even if they score four goals a game, if that's going to be enough for the Penguins some nights. Hey, you never know, though. But um, we'll see what happens. I think I still think six is a good number. It's a it's a projection that could change on the dime this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting back half of the season, that's for sure. Between the moves that should be made, whether or not they get made, we'll t- we'll have to see uh, what the top six is able to do if they're able to continue the the way that they're trying to carry this team throughout the rest of the season. What happens on the injury front if the Penguins start getting guys back? What that makes the team look like? Um, it's going to be an interesting couple of months here, leading up to April, and and I think. If things don't go well, there's going to be change. If things do go well, then we'll be talking about uh, playoffs once again. But I think as we sit here right now, the Penguins are two points out of a playoff spot with a couple games in hand on the New York Islanders. So it's not like they are dead last. Um, they're in an w- awkward position right now where if you miss the playoffs and don't have a good enough pick, then you're not going to get one of these three really good players that are coming up in the draft this year. I don't think anybody expects the Penguins to be in the top three. Um, and I, I see a lot of people saying, hey, listen, just tank for Bedard. The, that ship Whoa! has sailed. That ship has sailed. You're not yeah. out tanking teams like the you know, Chicago Blackhawks and Arizona Coyotes. You're just and, and even Philly, the Ducks. Columbus, the, the Ducks. Ducks. Yep. The Ducks the Ducks are getting killed by teams that are, you know, struggling. So, you know, it, it's gonna be an interesting second half of the season. Uh, I'm very excited to to see how it plays out and then obviously to come on here and to talk with you about it. But uh I'm just hoping for some some wins this week against some what should be inferior opponents. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We will see you guys later this week on the Tip of the Iceberg. Make sure you check out the feed every day as new mini-episodes of Penguins to Go are dropping on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. But like I mentioned, we'll be back on Thursday with a full episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. That's going to do it for this one, folks. Have a great week, Pens fans, and let's see what they do against those Anaheim Ducks.